Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Hi, I'm Teresa Blaze, and this is the Unresolved Life Podcast. Today, we are talking about evangelism with John J. Ritchie, but he's got a story for you, and I cannot wait to uh, hear have him tell it. But before we get into the interview, I want to get the sponsor out of the way. As you know, I am a huge fan of uh, Toshua Tea Company. They specialize in tea and coffee, and all of their product sales go back to rescuing girls out of a communist Asian country who are being sex trafficked. And as you know, last week, was uh, there was world sex uh, world sex trafficking day and you know we had Bradley Hop who was the founder on the show and so um, if you want to check out the podcast that Tishua T is doing check out Liberty Unveiled the the podcast you can find that on the Unresolved Podcast Network if you're a tea or coffee drinker go check them out guys they are well worth your time you're gonna buy it anyway you might as well buy it from a good cause that is Tishua T. T-E-S-H-U-A-H-T-T-E-A dot com. And with that, let's get on with the show. John, welcome to Unresolved Life. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Before we kind of delve into your backstory, can you give the audience an idea of what you're doing now? And we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Well, right now I am a preacher of the gospel. Uh, I'm an evangelist and I'm working in the Boston area trying to get the good news to people here that have not heard it. And that uh, is the love of my life. It's, it's really exciting stuff. And I would encourage everybody to get, get, get involved doing it where they are, because if they're not, they're missing out on something great. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. But your story, you didn't, you weren't always a Bible preaching evangelistic type. And now were you? No, absolutely not. I wasn't. So can you kind of give us an idea of what led you to that God moment? Yeah, well, there's a uh, you know big story behind this. So you ready for it? <laughs> Bring it. All right. So, yeah, I, I um, grew up in a home that was broken. My, you know, my dad and my mom biologically uh, they were not fit to raise me, so my mother and my dad, uh, you know, they were in and out of homelessness. They uh, they were, you know, in and out of their relationship with each other. So it was really not stable for me. Plus, they were battling, you know, drugs and uh, just, you know, really couldn't hold down a stable life. And so, you know, my aunt. My biological aunt, my dad's sister, uh, named Barbara, she, uh, you know, didn't have any children of her own, and she didn't have any. She didn't have a husband uh, either, uh, but she had a good job, and um, she loved her brother. She loved my dad, and she knew what was going on with me and my sister Tracy, and so she, you know, did not want me to end up as a ward of the state, you know to be shoved, uh, shoveled off into a strange home. So she talked to my, my dad and, you know, he was convinced 
uh, that, you know, he was not fit to raise me and, and um, you know, uh, my, my aunt was willing to take me and my sister in to raise us as, as her own. So how old were you at the time? Uh, I was uh, six, I believe. Oh, wow. Talk about a shakeup for a young kid. Yeah. And well, it's, you know, there's more to, to my story. So that's uh, kind of the, the probably the lightest part of my story um, because it gets pretty heavy. So six years, about six years um, old, I, you know, move in with my aunt and, and my sister, Tracy moves in too. And Tracy is um, my half sister because she has a different father, same mother, but different father because my, my dad, my, my biological dad and my mother weren't always together. So, you know, at one point, um, you know, uh, Tracy uh, was born from, uh, you know, my, my mom being involved with another man and uh, he was also a deadbeat uh, dad as well. He, he wasn't around uh, for Tracy. So my, my aunt, uh, played the hero and she rescued us and um, took us in and she really, you know, broke her back to support us. She uh, worked two jobs um, and she, you know, just um, invested in us, you know, and gave us a foundation uh, that we needed. So um, my uh, dad um, was um, killed actually three years later uh, at the age of nine. And I'll get to that, but I want to back up because uh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. So, to, you know, uh, we lived with her for two years. And then when I was eight years old, um, you know, because we, we she, she was she was Catholic. So she brought us up in the Catholic background. Um, you know, her grandfather was Catholic um, and that's all she knew. She didn't really have a relationship with Jesus, but she, you know, she was religious, you know. And so we went to CCD. Uh, you know, um, every, almost every Sunday, and um, uh, we—that's all we knew. And then, uh, in my neighborhood, when I was eight years old, you know, two uh, vacation Bible school evangelists, two two neighborhood Bible time evangelists, because uh, that was the name of the program, neighborhood Bible time. And it was just a, a type of VBS, and they came to the neighborhood, and they were inviting kids uh, to uh, a program for young people you know, at a Baptist church, you know, um, down the street, because the Catholic church we were attending at the time was about, you know, maybe uh, 12 blocks up one way. And then the Baptist church that was hosting this special um, VBS for kids was like in the opposite direction. And, you know, my, my aunt was, she was like, well, you know, we're Catholic and, you know, we don't, we don't go to other churches, but they, you know, with my help, because I was like, you know, pulling on her uh, shirt saying, mom, you know, and I called her mom because she, I didn't really know my mom. So my aunt became my mom. And, I, and that's what I called her. I very rarely called her auntie. You know, maybe in the beginning I did, but as I grew older, I called her mom because she she proved herself to be my, my mom. And so I would tell her, you know, mom, mom, I want to go. I'm bored. You know, and what else are we going to do? You know, and uh other kids in the neighborhood are going. So I'm like, I don't want to be left out. Let me go. And, and um, you know, they said, you know, well, the program is going to run from, from Monday through Friday. So it's not going to really interfere with going to, going to church on Sunday at the Catholic church. So 
she was uh, okay with me going. She let me go. She gave in. She cried, Uncle. uncle. <laughs> and she let me go, and I had a good time. And every day that I was there, I heard about Jesus. I played games. I got to meet other people, um, meet, meet new friends, had uh, some snacks, pizza, ice cream, stuff like that. And, you know, we heard Bible stories, and, and we heard the gospel on my level. Because although at that young age, I was, ex I was exposed to the, to the concept of God and Jesus and, you know, saw statues and stuff. I didn't really, I, I didn't know God. I didn't really have a relationship with God. But I was old enough to understand the gospel. Um, because I used to ask my, my aunt questions like, why, why are they doing that? Or why do we have to do this? And, and I would, I would want to know, like, you know, why are we believing this? You know, so I was curious at a young age. Uh, on Thursday of that week that I had been attending um, the Neighborhood Bible Time program, I was uh, ready to, you know, uh, become a Christian. I was ready to put my trust in Christ because um, every day that they shared the gospel with me, you know, they would use object lessons or they would tell it in the story form. But I understood that, you know, on Thursday that I understood by then what sin was. I understood you know, that how, you know, you can't get to heaven unless God forgives your sin. And the only way God's willing to do that is through his son, Jesus. And so I understood that. And so when they gave an invitation, I raised my hand and I, you know, I wanted to have the pastor's daughter and another gospel worker talk to me, uh, you know, off to the side as everybody else was responding to the invitation as well. And I just you know, talked to them some more. They shared some scripture with me. They made sure I understood what I was about to accept, you know? And, uh, and then I, and I, so I, and right then and there, I, you know, I told God I was sorry for my sin, even though I obviously at that young age, I wasn't guilty of, of heinous sins, big sins, but I knew that any sin was, you know, was, was wrong. And, and that God, God sent Jesus to, 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 to forgive me of, of that sin. So I accepted the Lord uh, as my Savior. I gave my you know, heart to Christ, and um, I was born again. I came home, and uh, just I knew something was different because I had a desire now to, 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 you know, to grow. I had a hunger for Christ and wanted to learn more about the Bible and start reading it and all that. And that was a problem for my aunt because you know she's like, uh oh, like what happened <laughs> to, to my to my son Jay here? You know he. he I let him go to this thing and now he's talking about Jesus and, you know, rebuking me for my smoking. Cause I used to get on her. She was smoking in the house and I would tell her, you know, Jesus doesn't want you to, to uh, continue smoking. It's bad for you. It's bad for me. And so she was like, all right, I'll go outside and smoke. But then when she'd come in, I would still say, Hey, I'm going to pray for you, mom, because I can still smell the smoke on you. And, uh, and so, and she didn't, you know, she didn't, she didn't take us to the. She didn't. She didn't take us out of the Catholic Church and start attending that Bible believing church uh, right away because she was still like unclear uh, about some things. But the assistant pastor from the church that hosted this program that I went to, where I got saved, he befriended uh, me and his son befriended me and, and also befriended uh, my mom and and you know eventually there was a friendship that um, uh, began with, with, with uh, the assistant pastor, his wife, and, and then uh, their children and, and us. And uh, she 
was shown the gospel. She was shown the difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally. And she wanted to know God personally. She wanted Christ personally. And, um, and then eventually, you know, God, you know, through the Holy Spirit also convicted her to, to, to say, hey, this isn't the way Christ wants you to live now. And she got victory over cigarettes as well. And, and, and she and I and Tracy just, you know, began our new uh, walk of faith in, in, in the Bible-believing church there. And we left the Catholic Church. Um, and, you know, and then uh, this all happened within a year. And then like a year later, when I was nine, my dad was killed on the streets of Boston. And I didn't really mourn his death at that point because I didn't have a relationship with him. Like I didn't he, like he would pop in and out of my life. Do we know why he was killed or how he died? Um, yeah, he was apparently he was beaten to death uh, or jumped or something because like, yeah, but I never found out. I and mean, I read the autopsy later in life. And that's how I kind of got the details. But uh, we it was like an unsolved case. And, and to this day, we still don't know, you know, who was credited with his his death. But he died of like trauma to the head, which is which means he was attacked and, and then didn't survive. So, um, yeah, so that that didn't affect me, though, because, I, like I said, I didn't really know him that well. I really only have one time where I, I remember him talking to me at all. And that that was it. Like, I don't remember any other times in, in, in you know, in my life where he was around. So, uh, so I didn't mourn him. But, um, and so, okay, so I, that I lost him and it, you know, affected my, my mom because that was, you know, you know, my biological aunt, that's her, her brother. So it did affect her, but didn't really affect me. And we continue to go to, to church and, and continue to grow in, in our faith and walk with the Lord. And, um, you know, we had a support team there at church that really helped us weather that as far as, you know, helping my, my mom deal with that loss because it was really painful for her. And then four years later, you know, I enter high school and I lose my biological mother. She died of AIDS and pneumonia. And that affected me. When I when I heard wind of that, and it's interesting because I didn't even have a, a relationship with my with my biological parents, and I especially didn't have one with my 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 biological mother. But for some reason, I felt a sadness come over me about about her her passing, and I just started to think about how I still didn't have my dad around, you know, because now I was older and I was thinking more about my dad not being in my life, and I got a little bit angry and then I you know it just it just grew my anger just grew my bitterness just grew I I got angry with God I started seeing how my friends have you know the nuclear family you know a mother and a father at home and you know on the surface seems like everything's going great and that's what I wanted but yet I don't have it you know it's like you know why God me like why did this have to happen so I didn't have any answers and every year it just got worse for me where I just was growing more bitter and more delusional, more, more, you know, delusional as far as like, you know, what do I do? What do I do now? Like, I don't have a dad to be a role model. I'm really lost. Like, how do, how can I, you know, who, whose footsteps do I follow in now? You know? And so I made the wrong friends in, in high school. I didn't go to a Christian school. I went to uh, the, you know, the government school and I just met the wrong Types of people. I was into sports. 
now I was noticing <laughs> things that you notice when you get older, you know, wanted a girlfriend and all those things, hang out and be cool. And I, I just, uh, you know, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to, uh, you know, put my faith over here for a little bit. And when God wants to talk to me, when God wants to uh, give me, ex explain some things to me, then I'll, I'll, I'll come back to, to him. But for now, I'm mad at him. Oh, that sounds so familiar to my story, my friend. I remember saying such a similar thing after losing my eyesight and mom. And I pretty much told, you know what, God? Yeah, we're done. And I made the mistake of running away from the one who had the answers for me, which was God. And, and, and I, instead of running to him, you know, and I just got, I drifted, you know, I, what I still was a Christian because at times when people told me, Hey, we miss you, you know, at, at church, we miss you at the church functions, you know, what's going on. They would try to check in with me. And I, I didn't really want to talk about it. I just said, I'm angry. And if you, and I don't, you know, if you want to pray for me, I appreciate that. But uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really, you know, I, I have some issues with God. And of course, you know, I'm still living with my uh, with my aunt. So she, her rules were, hey, you know, you live in my home. We're going to honor the Lord. We're going to go to church. And so I still was attending church. But whatever they said went in one ear and out the other. I was I was there in body. I was not there in spirit. And there's a lot of people like that uh, in churches today. They're there physically, but, you know, there's a wall between them and God. They've checked out. Yeah, yeah, for whatever the reason. But, you know, I just didn't uh, think that, you know, God deserved my, my loyalty right now since, you know, I did nothing to deserve, deserve what, what was going on in my, in, my, in my family life. And so I just uh, was bitter. And so I, I found solace in the wrong uh, direction, going, going, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd and, uh, you know, one foot in church because I lived with my aunt and that was her rules, you know, but really living in the world and um, kind of have a, heart, a divided heart. And that lasted for about 10 years, 10 straight years of just living apart from the Lord. Uh, I, I did some things in those years that, you know, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be dead uh, already, or I'd be, I'd be in jail or prison or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, gotten a sexually, sexually transmitted diseases, uh, or, or worse. And here's one thing that was interesting too, because uh, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in, in my 16th or 17th year. You know, I was having problems with, with, you know, with that. And they gave me some medicine to, to you know, to deal with the symptoms. And on the bottle, it said, warning, do not drink alcohol when taking this medicine. What is Crohn's uh, disease for those that don't know? Crohn's disease is an incurable disease of the uh, intestines. I believe it's the uh, upper GI, upper uh, gastrointestinal area. And it basically prevents your body from harvesting the nutrients of the foods you eat. So essentially you're eating and it's passing right through you. You're not getting any, you're getting very, you're getting next to nothing, nothing from the nutrients in the food. So I was becoming anemic and they had to give me artificial hormones and other things to, you know, you know, prop up my, my system because I, I was, I was literally anemic. I was just, you know, uh, wasn't getting, um, 
you know, any, any nutrients. And, um, and I was drinking, you know, I was taking the medicine, I was drinking with it and I didn't care. I was, I was hit so low that I just was like, I don't care if this kills me. Like, I'm just, I'm just so uh, low right now and so angry and so hurt, hurt and, and, and have questions unanswered. I just don't care. So I was just like, not, you know, I was just not enthusiastic about life. And, um, though I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I was overly suicidal because I wasn't cutting my wrist. I didn't try to jump off a building or anything like that, but it was kind of a passive thought. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, Hey, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to go out this way while I'm drinking and potting it up with these people, then I'm going to go out, you know? And, uh, that's that. And so that continued to, uh, into the early two thousands. And then, uh, you know, one Friday night really was the game changer for me. I had just broken up with my girlfriend recently and I was at a party that Friday night and, you know, I was just drinking and partying it up and, and stuff. And then like, you know, I remember uh, puking on myself and just all over the place. And, you know, I was just really, you know, just really sick. And so I just kind of like, you know, after I kind of, brushed myself off a little bit and, you know, I sobered up a little bit. Um, my friends who are still, you know, awake, because I think it was probably in the middle of the night, they, they tried to stop me from getting in the car and driving home. They said, you're, you know, you're, you're in no condition to, to get behind the wheel and, and drive home, you, you know, just stay here, sleep it off. And I just was like in no mood to stay. I just was, I just wanted to get, get home. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was, it was, um, like probably, you know, in the middle of the morning, Saturday morning. And so I just, I won the argument. I got in my car and they didn't stop me. And I drove home and on my way home, I ran to a red light and I almost hit a truck that had been coming in the opposite direction. He had the green light. I had the red light, but I ran it. And I remember the street that I did that as if it was yesterday because I'm actually not living too far from that street where that accident could have happened. And if it did happen, you know, I could have been killed. He could have been killed uh, or she, I don't know who the driver was really. Um, but he or she skidded out of the way. And, and I remember that their truck, their, their four wheeler almost tipped over to miss, to miss me. And I just kept driving. I didn't slow down to see, you know, I just, kept driving. I didn't even care. You know, that's, that was a mindset I was in. I was like, you know, good. If I get killed or get, you know, uh, you know, into this accident and get disabled, good. I don't care. You know, whatever happens. And I made it home by God's grace. I crawled up the stairs. I didn't want to wake my aunt, my mom. I just didn't want to hear her, 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 you know, getting on me. So I just snuck up the stairs, tried to get in because, you know, her bedroom, uh, and my room, well, not too far apart. And so I just was trying to sneak up the the stairs um, and get in my, my room. I wasn't even going to take a shower. I just, you know, just wanted to get, get in my bed and go to sleep. And I attempt to get in my bed and go to sleep. And it was as if the Holy Spirit says, no, no, you and I are going to have a talk. And I could not go to sleep. <laughs> I just found myself on the floor, bawling, crying, tears coming out. It was like Niagara Falls. My whole shirt was completely drenched in my tears. And in that moment, it was as if I had a flashback of all the times where I thought God was not in my life. And 
he was he was like giving me mental flashbacks of all the places, especially the big places where he stepped in and rescued me from uh, another car accident that I was almost in with a, a bunch of other friends or uh, a, a time where I almost got uh, beaten up or possibly killed by a gang. He stepped in and rescued me, rescued me there. And at the time, I didn't, uh, I didn't really uh, n- notice that that he had stepped in and, 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 and you know stopped that from happening. Or maybe I was just too mad at him to to give him credit. But in, in any event, he was he was showing me all the places that you know, that I didn't just have good luck, quote unquote. But it was his grace stepping in, and I was just like, "You're right, Lord." And then he also spoke to me uh, in my heart as clear as. You know, we're speaking to you. We're speaking together now. I mean, he didn't speak audibly, but the verse came to my spirit so clear. It was Hebrews thirteen five, which says that um, he will neither he will he will neither leave thee nor forsake thee. And I didn't know that was in the Bible. Like I didn't know that that passage was what he was speaking to me, because at that point I had I wasn't reading the Bible. But then later on, you know, after that night and where I you know I started to to get restored to the Lord, um, I started reading the Bible and I saw that that verse and I knew that was confirmation from the Lord that those 10 years or, or longer that I had felt that God had abandoned me, that God was not my father. In fact, he proved himself that he had not forsaken me, even though I felt forsaken. And then in fact, he took me in, up in, like the the verse that says that when I'm in Proverbs, I think, or Psalms, it says, um, yeah, it's in Psalms. It says, when my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Yeah. And so I knew that that's what God had been doing all along. And I just was like, God, you're so right. I'm so wrong. I'm so sorry that I just didn't, I didn't see you in my life or I just was so blinded by my anger that I didn't. Uh, see you, but I, 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 I admit you, you were there all, the whole time, and I just repented. I was just was, I was saying, Lord, you know, like you never left me, and I'm still your child. You know, I, I, I don't believe that you know someone who temporarily walks away from their faith is is no longer a Christian. Um, the proof is if they come back <laughs> and they're restored, then like like Peter, you know, he was, he, he, you know, he he denied the Lord but was restored. So that's. That's proof he was a real Christian, whereas Judas never was restored at once he left. And so, you know, but I, I, I believe that God restored me. And um, I told him in that in that night, I said, God, I'm, I'm um, you know, I'm sorry, but here's my life. No more games. Um, I know you have the answers for for the things I'm seeking and I will stop running away from you and I'll stop running to you. And and I know that in time you'll give me the answers you believe I can handle. Uh, and even if you don't give me the, the, the answers to some of the big questions, I will serve you anyways. You, you're worth it. And um, I just, you know, had a, I had just had a, um, a you know, uh, the Holy Ghost just, you know, pouring out repentance in me. And I just said, you know, God, for the rest of my years, I want to serve you. And here's my life. I, I, I wasted 10 years in rebellion because I thought that I could find the answers to my pain and, and my hurt my own way. And I, I see that that's foolish. And I said, for the rest of my years, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to promise I'm going to be perfect, but I'm, I'm going to, I want to be consistent and I want to go forward. And I said, here's my life. And, and so uh, I went to bed that night. I did not 
wake up hungover, I woke up like like a weight had been lifted off my off my back. Oh, and, that's uh, a miracle. Yeah, yeah, and I and then <laughs> and then he called, and then 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 shortly 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 he completely cures me of Crohn's disease. Seriously? Absolutely. Doctors confirm. No, I have, I have a normal colon. I have a normal intestine, and that's not uh, that's not the case for people that have Crohn's disease. But I I, I was given. Yeah, and you know, doctors don't. Most doctors don't want to give God credit. So you know, my doctor, he was he's he's an unbeliever. He he just chalked it up as well. You're in remission. But I have had I have had subsequent tests, and still. Still no problem, still no issues. So he can call it remission. I believe it's cure. But actually, it's funny because at least in, in the King James translation, when you see the word remission, when you look it up in Greek, it actually means cleansed. So when the doctor says you're in remission, well, he really means you're cleansed. <laughs> that part of your story reminds me of another guy. Uh, who was interviewed here on the show. His name is David Arthur, and um, he was a transgender for like 30 years. And in the process of his story, he came down with full-blown AIDS to the point that his doctor told him, don't even bother taking your meds. You got six weeks to live. Wow. He got a hold of a Bible. His mom gave him a Bible, and he found Romans chapter 1. He realized he didn't want to go to hell. And he prayed, and he repented, and he got he got right with God and not, and God cured him of the AIDS, cured him of the osteoporosis that he had. Doctors wouldn't admit that he was a cure, similar, similar to your situation. But that to me just says, you know what? Our God is still in the healing business. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and it's funny because like, I, like, I, no, I, I, um, I didn't even ask him to, to heal me. You know, I just, I just didn't think to do that. Maybe other people were praying for me. And I, in fact, I know they were because when I started to get more consistent in, in church and people would see me around again in fellowships, they they were elated because they said, we never stopped praying for you. We, we, we just knew that, you know, God was going to get your attention that you were going to turn to him again. And I want to encourage people, whoever listens to this program, if they're praying for someone and it's a hard case don't give up because you never know what god is doing in in their heart in the background i mean if you saw me you you probably you probably you know in, back in, in those days of rebellion you probably thought there's no way he's gonna uh be restored um but you know it's interesting how we when we look at physical when we look with our physical eyes on the appearance of someone that can be deceiving because we don't see the unseen. What did God tell Samuel? Yeah, exactly. You were just reading my mind. I was going to allude to that. Yeah. Don't look at the appearance. God looks at the heart. So, you know, when, when we, when we, when we judge based on our eyesight, we are not seeing clearly uh, most of the time. So yeah, it's amazing how you know, people who, uh, think that they quote unquote have you know normal sight that they they see more clearly ah and that's not always the case <laughs> you know in fact our eyesight can be a, a huge hindrance if because we, we're judging based on what we see whereas god is saying don't judge based on what you see 
you know, and uh, it's amazing. So, you know, uh, I'm reminded of a song. It's uh, by a band named uh, Death Derby. They're kind of a Christian metal band. Mm. And one of their songs, the door is swinging from its hinges, but you don't even been seeing the walls that you have felt so safe in but have now become your prison when the blind lead the blind only darkness they find when i hear your story when i'm listening as i'm listening to your show your your story it's like man people could have wrote you off i'm sure some maybe some did but god saw something more and he went nope that that boy that one's mine it's kind of like when jesus talks about the the 99 or the hundred sheep. And then, you know, the, the one goes away from the pack and Jesus sets out to go and restore the one that left the pack, you know? And that was uh, a picture of God's working in my life that he kept pursuing me and pursuing me, and pursuing me, you know? Um, and it's just amazing because uh, God, you know, God is not willing that any perish, the Bible says, and so, you know, God doesn't give up on someone as long as they're as long as they, they're still alive in this life and they haven't crossed over into eternity. God keeps pursuing that person, which is why we should continue to pursue people in prayer, too. Um, yeah. And so what and so he called me, he called me to, to be a preacher the, the following year um, after, you know, after he removed the. The, the physical hindrance of Crohn's disease, he called me to be an evangelist. He called me to be a preacher. Um, at the, actually, at that point, I didn't know it was going to be an, an evangelism per se. I thought, well, okay, you know, I'll, I'll just um, go to school and, and, and learn theology and learn you know, pastoral ministry and stuff like that. And maybe that's what God's doing. That's not the particular area he, he moved me in. I, I felt more led to... Uh, pursue evangelism um, as, rather than a pastoral role. But, uh, you know, God is still, he's still in the driver's seat, you know, and so if he wants to do whatever he wants to do with me for the future ministry, uh, I'll leave it to him. But for now, since that, that, that time, you know, about 10, about 2004, that's when he, that's when I felt really like the strong desire um, to, um, to be an evangelist, to be a preacher. And, you know, it's funny because I didn't, I didn't like to be around a lot of people. Like I, I was more of an introvert, but you know, God can use a weakness and turn it to your strength. And, you know, it's just amazing. That's what God does. He almost never wants to use a strength of ours or, or, or one of our perceived strengths, but he wants to use one of our weaknesses because that's when he gets the glory. That's when people will know, Hey, God's doing that. That person, that person isn't doing that. You know, it's it's absolutely incredible what you're saying because I mean, this show started out as a um, I had questions and I wanted to bring them to the mic, and it was a, there were some weaknesses in my life, and he and and he's turned them into a ministry I could never have asked for, and I I see that in you as well, my friend. Yeah, so God's God's grace is is, is uh, that amazing grace um, song is just. You know, it takes on a, it took on a whole new meaning after after realizing that it was I who stepped away from the security of the pact, like that um, sheep that in in the, in, the, in the gospel story uh, of the lost sheep. You know, like the one that wandered. I had left the security 
of being in God's will. So I deserved anything that would have befell me outside of that protective will of God. But yet God in his mercy still didn't allow me to get what I deserved. His, gr- his, his grace was just overflowing. It wasn't just enough. It was more than enough. <laughs> and so, and, the, and, and just, so, um, and God, so God called me to be an evangelist then. And then I've been, I've been doing that, uh, ever since. And, you know, um, and then I can get into how the, you know, how the book came about and, and, and all that uh, later, if you'd like. Um, but yeah, God is just so amazing. And people, you know, they were vindicated. Their prayers were vindicated. Um, and, um, I, and I, you know, I, I told people, even when I was living in rebellion, I, on one hand, I was living in rebellion, but on the other hand, when people offered to pray for me, I didn't slap their hand down. I didn't say, no, thanks. I said, well, thank you. You know, I do need it. So I, I acknowledged that there was an internal struggle going on that I completely didn't want to continue this path of rebellion. I feel like I'm, I'm caught in the, in the, in the middle here and I'm not strong enough to, you know, to kind of turn to the light side, if you can put it in that, you know, dark side, light side type of thing. I know, I know that that's a bad analogy because, you know, you know, Star Wars isn't biblical, but um, there is a nature in us as Christians that is a dark uh, human nature the fallen nature, and then if you're saved, you have the you have the you have the light of Christ in you, the divine the child of God nature. So there is a sense of duality there, um, and you know the flesh and the carnal nature wants you to you know to to live the life of death, whereas the the spirit in you and the new nature wants you to live the light, live the life of life of God's life. And um, they battle one another. Galatians chapter five tells us that the spirit and the flesh, they battle one another. So you're caught in the middle sometimes. And, and I felt like that, but you know, so I kind of was asking for help. I kind of was like, you know, crying out for help, even though I was living in rebellion. And it's interesting because sometimes when people think, Oh, they're just so away from the Lord, they're living in rebellion, but we have to be, we have to be discerning that a life of rebellion is a life calling out for help. They're not saying that verbally. They're not saying, I, I need help. But their life is screaming they need help. That is a money quote right there. A life of a rebellion is a life calling out for help. I, you know, um, I mean, we could talk further, but I really kind of want to end this on that kind of a note. The only thing I want to ask you is um, if someone is listening and maybe they don't. They either don't know the Lord, or maybe they did, and they've kind of backslidden. Maybe they're really checked off, and maybe life has just been garbage to them, you know. And and they've gone through a lot of crap. Listen to something like this. Listen to a talk like this, um, and I would um, say, don't you know? I mean, obviously, it's cliche when tell people don't give up. Be open. I would just say, be open. Um, you know, people's pain is real, um, but it's not a hopeless pain. It's a signpost. We need to look at it like that. It's a signpost that can point in two directions. One is further away from the solution, and the other is pointing to where the solution can be found, where the comfort, where where the the, the the things that the person's really looking for and is not finding them in the wrong in the wrong direction.
can be found. You know, God is not some big bad wolf, you know, waiting to, uh, you know, consume us. He actually, the prodigal son, you know, when Jesus told that parable, you know, the father didn't say, you know, well, you come to me, son, and then you're going to get it. No, he ran to his son, kneeled down with his son, was crying with his son, embracing his, his son, kissing his son's neck and saying, there's no hostility with he, with with me there's no hostility here there's nothing but forgiveness i've been waiting for you i love you you've been deceived about how i would respond but here it is here's my love you know and um so i think that that's that's kind of the uh thing that we need to you know keep in mind and i would also add guys it's okay to ask why it's okay to ask you may not get the answer but it does doesn't mean God didn't want you to ask. I think I think John and I could both attest that, you know, we've both seen the good and the bad side of things. But we we serve a God who loves us unconditionally. And there's a and we are also in a war and we have an enemy who hates us without rhyme or reason. He hates us because we are made in the image of God. And the best way to hurt God is to hurt those who are in his image. We should focus on not the why something happened that we didn't like or was tragic. We should ask, okay, uh, Lord, since you're sovereign, since you allowed this, what can you do with what is left? What can you do to bring, to bring, uh, you know, a rose out of concrete here? You know, what can you do to bring glory to yourself and redeem the situation? And rem- and because I, I I know that. God is not always interested in prevention, but he's always interested in redemption. And we see that in the story of the death of Lazarus. The two sisters were saying to Jesus, where were you four days ago when you could have been here and saved Lazarus? But Jesus stalled and he said, you're going to see the glory of God now. And he rose, he raised Lazarus uh, back to life. And I think the big, the big issue, the big point there is God will redeem it. If we if we if we if we have eyes to see that he will redeem it. He's all about redemption. Sometimes, though, he does not prevent something bad from happening. In my case, my dad's death, he didn't prevent it, uh, but he redeemed the fact that it had uh, it had caused a lot of suffering in my life. He redeemed it. And he and, and, and his redemption is greater than his lack of prevention. Amen. Well, John, for those that want to get a hold of your book, what's the title? Uh, the title is called Evangelism's Flipside. So that's the word evangelism, apostrophe S, flipside, subtitle a, journal, a, a, subtitle, a Journey of Reaping the Unexpected. And basically, it's just a 94-page book of uh, stories, just real-life witnessing stories where I would, you know, be sharing the gospel with people on a plane or people in other countries uh, or in, um, you know, train stations, just different places. And just kind of seeing how you get into a conversation with, with a stranger, you know, especially someone that has a different religious worldview than you. Um, and, you know, what God what God did, you know, how, the, the miracles, the things that God had had shown me, had done in me, had done for me, and the co- great conversations that we've had. And there's a lot of, you know, 
good theology there. It's not a how-to book, like as far as like it's not written written in an academic sense, but it's written just oh hey, I talked to this this person named Mike or whatever. I met him at an airport, uh, you know, uh, kiosk, and here's what we talked about, and, and you know, and it was it, it would read like a kind of like a novel where you will read real you know interaction between me and. and several different people. I even witnessed to a TSA agent <laughs> in the, uh, you know, at the airport. That, that was interesting an encounter and how, you know, his um, co-worker had been praying that someone else would share the gospel with him. And it's just amazing how, you know, like God just put me in the right place at the right time. And these are the types of stories that I share with people. I talk to Muslims. I talk to, you know, unbeliever, uh, unbelieving atheists. I talk to Catholics, I talk to waitresses. It's just, you know, and it gives it gives Christians some insight to kind of like looking over my shoulder. Hey, how did Jay, you know, talk about his faith to a stranger? You know, uh, how did he answer some of the questions that may be may be raised? You know, and it wa- I want to give Christians confidence that they have a gospel that they do not want to keep to themselves. You know, you may not know every question. That someone may may ask you, we don't have to, but we do know what Jesus has done for us. We do know what the Lord has done for us and is continuing to do for us. And um, we can share that with them. And, you know, of course, um, I, I also have a blog. If, if people get stuck and they, and they need, you know, uh, maybe a Bible evangelism question answered or something like that, that I'm, I'm, I'm available through my blog to be, you know, for people to reach out. But, but my, also my book also has quotations from some of the giants of the, of the faith, you know, names like C.T. Studd or, you know, Lester Roloff, Adam Judson, Charles Spurgeon, names like that, you know, inspirational quotes to encourage people along the way. Because I think the, the, the evangelism is not a one-sided coin where we just see that it's, you know, uh, God dealing with the person we're trying to reach. And actually, I like to look at evangelism as a two-sided coin. It's like it has a flip side, and the flip side is a good side. It is not only what God's doing in the person we're trying to reach, but what is God doing in the person doing the reaching. And it's more of a it's more of a conversation we have with people than just a a, a monologue or a presentation. Because my book tries to clear up a lot of misconceptions about evangelism. And to help people see it's really an adventure that God is is waiting to take them on. We will have a link to uh, John's blog and his book on Amazon. Uh, you, you'll be able to find that in the show notes, guys. And that's at uh, unresolved.life. Um, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. No, thank you. It was a real honor, real uh, blessing. Um, and thank you guys for what you guys do there at that ministry. It's a real blessing to a lot of people. We do what we feel called to do. So uh, we'll be, uh, we'll, we'll, guys, this show is, if you know someone who's hurting, send this out to them. We're called to be the hands and feet of our Lord. So with that, I'm Teresa Blaze. This is the Unresolved Life Podcast. We will speak again next time. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.